You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. A piece of BC resort history is gone. A massive lodge at the Big White Ski Resort near Kelowna was destroyed by flames early this morning. The six-bedroom building, known to many simply as the A-frame, had been there for close to half a century. The close-knit ski community is devastated by the loss. But as Jules Knox reports, it could have been much worse. uh, It was pretty intense. A fire roaring inside this three-story wooden A-frame at Big White around 2 a.m. on Saturday. Flames shooting out through the windows. 100 feet easy, probably more. And then it started going out both sides towards the two buildings on either side. Neighbors next door fleeing their home. The flames creeping too close for comfort. You could see a huge glow coming from just the uh, west side of our place here. You could have stood out here in a pair of uh, board shorts. It was hot enough. But uh, yeah, it was, it was raging as you can see. Two engines, three support vehicles and 18 firefighters rushing to the A-frame, which was believed to be vacant when the fire sparked. Nobody's in there. It was a surround and drown. It was already fully involved in the second and third stories and out through the roof. So our crews just surrounded it from the outside, poured lots of water on it and protected the buildings on both sides. Crews battling the blaze in deep snow and freezing conditions. Obviously it was really cold and uh, everything freezes very quickly, but our crews did an excellent job. The windows on the neighbouring duplex shattered by the heat. I'm, I'm really lucky that the building didn't catch on fire. It's all blistered and peeled. Um, I've got a little bit of a second-degree burn on my arm just from the radiant heat coming from the buildings. Firefighters remaining on scene for hours. We were there till about 7 o'clock this morning, and then we've been back uh, on and off through the day to just make sure we get all the hot spots out. The cause of the fire is still under investigation, but it is not considered suspicious. Jules Knox, Global News, Big White. Firefighters in Langley were called out to an early house fire. This video sent in by a global viewer shows crews responding to the blaze near 57B Avenue and 246B Street. Flames broke out at around 3 o'clock this morning. No reports of serious injuries and still no word on a possible cause. Flooding disrupted a number of flights at YVR South Terminal today. A road was closed at one point as airport staff worked to deal with parking lots ankle deep in water. Pacific Coast Airlines says access was an issue with a limited number of spots to load and unload planes. YVR says it didn't have any major impact on flights. The airport is trying to determine the source of the flooding and is working with passengers to address any vehicles that may have been damaged. Came and saw a significant amount of pooling water on both the uh, tarmac and also around the parking lot and the roadways to and from the YVR South Terminal. Significant amounts of water and rising uh, rapidly. Um, in places, it was well over a foot, uh, and it was a fact impacting uh, our ability to take off and land because we, we had no place to put planes. So at this point, what we've done is we've put notices on all the cars to let them know what's happened and that we are here. We've got airport operations standing by. We want to support them. Uh, If their car isn't going to start, well, we've got taxi vouchers for them to get home. But then we also want them to communicate with us so that we can help mitigate the ongoing impact of their car. 
Every year, dozens of bears are euthanized in this province when they're determined to be a risk to the public, usually due to human negligence. A bear expert says there is a way for humans and wild animals to coexist at the edge of the city. But as Jill Bennett reports, the solution isn't as easy as some may think. When six bears were destroyed in Coquitlam this past summer, some people were so upset they got arrested. But conservation officers at the time said the bears had become too attracted to food and too comfortable around people, and there was no other option. That's something this bear expert disagrees with. We will never get rid of all our attractives. We need to learn to understand these animals and learn how to coexist with them in an ethical way, which is not what we're seeing by conservation. That's a nice baby, Mom. Lamb has spent years in remote parts of BC taking people on guided tours and coexisting with bears. She says the same can be done in urban centres. Conservation Service needs to take a softer approach to bears and a harder approach to fines. They need to look at relocation of bears. The young and the mothers with cubs, they do relocate very, very well. But the number of bears destroyed this year in Metro Vancouver is up compared to last year, with more reports of bears breaking into homes and vehicles. So far this year, uh, from Squamish all the way out to Chilliwack in the lower mainland, uh, the Conservation Officer Services um, unfortunately had to put down 93 black bears. Uh, we've uh, relocated uh, 23 in total and 12 went to rehab. Hunter maintains relocating bears doesn't always work that well. He would rather see residents and businesses remove garbage and other bear attractants. We've ramped up um, the enforcement efforts and we, ha we have. We've issued a lot of tickets, a lot of warnings, a lot of dangerous wildlife protection orders. We do take it seriously. People are also encouraged to report any activity that could endanger a bear. So while there isn't full agreement on the best way to deal with the increase in human-bear interactions, there is agreement on the goal to see fewer bears destroyed. Jill Bennett, Global News. Surrey City Hall could get fiery on Monday, with councillors set to take a final vote on the controversial 2020 budget. Opponents say it doesn't address public safety concerns, and they're planning to voice their opposition to it. But as Kristen Robinson reports, supporters say the budget is visionary. I feel that, uh, that this budget gut and bleeds the city dry. This is a fiscal responsibility, and I think it's a great bu budget. All in favour? Against? Carried? Surrey's 2020 budget dividing council before it was rubber stamped earlier this month. With no new money for RCMP officers or firefighters, critics say it raises public safety concerns and plan to rally outside City Hall ahead of Monday's final vote. We're spending all of this money on just one item that's there, that's the, uh, our, our new municipal police force, and it just seems so short-sighted. Surrey's top Mountie says he was told there would be no more officers while the growing city switches to Surrey police. Even with a 3% increase in calls for service this year and a 3.6% spike in files. They're, they're coming in with facts that say if we get this we'll be able to provide a better service. It'll make it a safer city. And for mayor and council to just turn the other way, uh, it's unheard of. The city says the costs are needed for the police transition, with a one-time $45.2 million price tag next year and $84.4 million in operating costs over the next five years. I don't know that you can equate safety to dollars, um, 
in all cases. So I think that we're setting up for the future. One safe Surrey coalition councillor says the proposed budget is visionary, with the finance department finding innovative ways to create an income for the city that's not coming from taxpayers. So some are from business, some are from development, some are from utilities. I think that the budget is something that um, will we'll set Surrey in the Metro Vancouver region ahead of all the other cities. Critics remain unconvinced and say they'll make sure their voices are heard. Kristen Robinson, Global News. We've been reporting on shopkeeper complaints about an increase in shoplifting in Vancouver lately. Well, Global Cruise in the downtown east side happened to capture an incident on camera. A shopkeeper confronting an alleged shoplifter at the Sunrise Market on Powell at Gore, not far from Oppenheimer Park. Two people from the store confronted the alleged shoplifter. When the suspect took a swing at one of them, they took him down to the ground while another man called police. This happened as business owners from across the city have been complaining of a spike in thefts and shoplifting as Vancouver police launch a blitz targeting those offenders. Well, they often get a bad rap, but Vancouver's binners, people who collect recyclables or resellables, want people to know they aren't as scary as some might think. At a holiday barbecue and coat drive, Nadia Stewart introduces us to some of those who rely on bottles and cans to get by. Vancouver's regional recycling depot is usually the place where binners bring their empty bottles and cans, whatever they found in bins around the city. But once a year, it's transformed into a thrift store, where some of the city's most vulnerable comb through the racks, trying to find a coat that fits to make it through the winter. When you don't have anything, it means, like, so much. Naomi Wilson has been part of the Binners Project for three years. It's meant a source of income and a feeling of community. She and others say there's still work to be done to shake off the image often associated with those relying on recyclables to supplement their income. When I finally found my niche in here, it was just, it was like a weight had lifted off of me and there, the clouds cleared. Look, we're not that evil guy in the alley. You know, I, I say that time and time again, it's so important that people aren't threatened by what we're doing. The city's latest homeless count identified over 2,200 people. Over 600 actually live on the street. Working with them face-to-face, -face, you get to find out what their needs are, what their troubles are, and a lot of it is just uh, warm clothing, as simple as that. Organizers estimate they'll be able to help up to 300 this winter, providing used coats and spending 2700 money made through recycling to buy new underwear and socks, which might not seem like a lot, but it amounts to a cherished gift. People just come out and they're just like, oh, they're holding on to their, their gifts of warmth. You know, and that it, it keeps their spirits up all through the cold season. Nadia Stewart, Global News. Some good news for BC's food industry. Last year was a record breaker. Annual revenue generated by BC farmers, ranchers, seafood and processing workers reached $15 billion for the first time in 2018. The sector saw a 10-year high in employment with more than 63,000 jobs. That's an increase of 2,300 over the previous year. Most of the food was sold here in B.C., $6.4 billion worth. The rest of Canada was our second biggest market. The biggest export markets were the U.S., China and Japan. It appears that giant $5 million spinning chandelier that was unveiled to the public in Vancouver last month 
is broken. West Bank, the development company that paid for the public art piece, says, quote, it's a large, complex kinetic work and minor technical adjustments are required. And they expect it to be up and running again soon. The 4.2-meter-wide, 7.6-meter-tall chandelier shown here at its grand unveiling hangs beneath the north end of the Granville Street Bridge and was designed by internationally acclaimed Lower Mainland artist Rodney Graham. A heartwarming example today of how people who have received help from others in their lives are paying it forward with kindness to others. Volunteers were stuffing 300 backpacks with winter necessities such as sweaters, underwear and socks to present to homeless and at-risk youth this Christmas. Over the past two months, more than 200 volunteers have helped with the Covenant House campaign. For Sandy and Andrew Teal, it all began with a simple hug. One day this little guy came up to me and he tugged on my sleeve and I said hi and he said, are you their mom? And I said, no. And he said, well, why are you hugging them? And I said, well, because I want them to have a good day. And he said, can I have a hug too? And so I thought, okay. So I gave him a hug, totally expecting some parent would tell me not to touch their child, but nobody said anything. And then he just got in the lineup every morning to get a hug with the rest of the daycare kids. And a few weeks later, my girlfriend said, you know that little guy you hug every day, he's in foster care. And I'm like, oh. And I, it just felt an, a connection. It felt like he, he needed to come home. So we applied to adopt him. That is so sweet. Well, he is a legendary punk rocker who now happens to be a Burnaby City Councillor. But music remains in DOA frontman Joe Keithley's DNA. And that was on full display today as he did his bit to help the next generation of aspiring musicians. Paul Johnson has more. Well, here we have a whole drum set. Burnaby City Councillor Joe Keithley is quite pleased with the success of Saturday's musical instrument drive for charity. My minivan is uh, full right now. Over the span of just a few hours, they collected enough instruments to equip an orchestra or a few dozen punk bands. That's Keithley there in a previous life known by a nickname we can't repeat on air. As the founder and frontman of DOA, Keithley is unquestionably Canada's foremost punk rocker. So how's that for a career change? Do you wear ties now? I do wear a suit and tie, yeah, of course, yeah. Coming from a genre where the biggest insult you could make would be to call someone a sellout, Keithley is completely at peace with his new gig. People said, hey, Joe, you know what? You're like a, a cultural politician. And I did that for 40 years. And I worked outside the system. You know what? Now I'm working inside the system, working on affordable housing, helping homeless people. Because it's one of the most political styles, it's no surprise that a handful of well-known punk rockers have tried to get elected to public office. But so far in North America, Keithley is the only one who's succeeded. And if you're wondering whether dull city council meetings have worn down his musical chops, just hand him a guitar. In Burnaby, Paul Johnson, Global News. 
Way to go, Joe. Well, it turns out Santa Claus doesn't travel just by sleigh. He can also make his way to your town on a giant tow truck. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Yes. Merry Christmas, everybody! Santa taking part in this year's third annual tow truck toy run through the Fraser Valley. There were more than 70 big rigs collecting donations for needy kids. The Jolly Elf was joined by some of the drivers featured on the Discovery Canada show Highway Through Hell. It's good to help help people in, uh, in time of need. You know, Christmas is a special time of year and it's good if you can help people and make their Christmas special also. We have an update on an issue that caused a bit of outrage. A giant inflatable snowman beloved by the Vernon community has been saved, staved, has been saved rather from eviction. The city is now backtracking after residents called Bah Humbug on a decision that an Okanagan store remove the blown up snowman who's graced the front of the property for eight holiday seasons. Well, now the city of Vernon says a permit has been issued for Frosty and the store's owners say he will be back greeting customers next week. Tributes are pouring in today for an RCMP officer killed in a head-on crash near Winnipeg last night. 49-year-old Constable Alan Popst had been a police officer for nearly 13 years and was the father of three teenage girls. He was killed when a pickup truck coming towards him crossed the median and collided head-on with his cruiser. It was the first of two crashes on Winnipeg's perimeter highway yesterday as slick roads made for dangerous driving conditions. As we head into one of the busiest travel seasons of the year, there are new rules designed to protect airline passengers should there be any bumps along the way. The next phase of passenger rights covers the next phase rather of passenger rights covers delays and cancellations, rebookings and refunding travelers and seating kids near their parents. But there are loopholes. And as Michael Couture explains, it may not be so easy to be compensated for your time and trouble. A thick grey fog hangs over Ottawa's airport, meaning yellow delay messages on the departures board and passengers who are seeing red. Mad. <laughs> Sorry, it just pees me off. Ours is delayed for an hour today. I didn't know. I mean, it's only raining. Like, what's going on? You find that weird? Yeah, I find that very weird. Under the new phase of the Passenger Bill of Rights coming into effect Sunday, a weather delay won't be eligible for compensation. Neither will medical emergencies or mechanical problems that are outside of scheduled maintenance. Other delays will be covered. It's a sliding scale and the amount of compensation will depend on the size of the airline. For smaller carriers, a delay of more than nine hours will mean $500 compensation, while for larger carriers, it tops out at $1,000. I have no hesitation in saying that these are the best in the world when you look at the entire package. Air passenger rights advocates disagree, saying the definition of mechanical malfunctions is too broad and it allows airlines to use it as an excuse for not compensating travelers. Airlines now have official regulations to quote when they make unsubstantiated claims of not compensating passengers. The latest set of rules will also require airlines to sit parents beside their children at no extra cost to the consumer. The first phase of these new rules, which took off in the summer, addressed lengthy tarmac delays like the one in Ottawa back in 2017, where passengers on two air transat planes were stranded for hours, and in one case, they had no water and no air conditioning. But travelers' advocates say the major problem with all of this 
is that passengers are forced to claim compensation instead of it being automatic. In many cases, such as a cancelled flight, it's very obvious to everyone, including the carrier, uh, that people are going to be owed compensation. Under some circumstances, they should be proactively sending it out. Passengers agree and hope the government will make improvements on the flight of rules. I guess they have to keep trying. It's sort of like the dance floor. If you're not out there trying, you're never going to improve it. Michael Couture, Global News, Ottawa. More followed. Following the resignation of Conservative leader Andrew Scheer, the party's executive director has been fired after he approved Scheer's use of party money to pay for his children's private school education. Several Conservatives are considering running to replace Scheer, including Ontario MPs Mary Lou Gladue and Michael Chong. But one Conservative strategist says the new leader doesn't matter as much as the new direction for the party. You have to understand where future voters' heads are, and that's on the environment uh, and issues of how they live their lives, affordability, and they want you to want you to have a more mature approach to values and Canadian life. Other names being tossed around include former cabinet ministers Peter McKay and Rana Ambrose. Former Saskatchewan Premier Brad Wall took his name out of the running and tweeted his support for Ambrose if she decides to run. So far, she isn't commenting. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson celebrated his election win today in former strongholds of his Labour opponents. Johnson traveled to northern England to acknowledge the seismic shift that helped sweep him to victory. He pledged to repay their trust for helping deliver his party's majority win, but not everyone is on board. Protests have broken out in London in the wake of Johnson's victory in the general election. Several demonstrators have been arrested after they pushed through police lines, angry over the Conservative Party's win. The election result gives the Prime Minister a clear path to proceed with plans to take his country out of the European Union at the end of January. A group of young activists staged a rally outside the Vancouver offices of Climate Change Canada this afternoon. But if you want to keep the world alive, we need to do better. The group held what is referred to as a funeral for our future and a die-in. They claim not enough is being done at the COP25 UN climate meeting in Madrid this weekend to address threats to our environment. They point out that despite talking about efforts to go green, Canada remains one of the world's leaders in carbon emissions. I think it should be important to everyone. The world is dying and we all live in the world. And when we're refusing to do anything about it, when many world leaders are refusing to do anything about it, there's an obvious problem here. There cannot be any excuses for not reaching agreements. I call on you to work together to be able to give a positive response. Chile's Environment Minister Carolina Schmidt sharing the UN climate talks in Madrid. Delegates from nearly 200 countries took a look at a new draft agreements overnight. Schmidt urged them to recognize the overall balance of the agreements. Greta Thunberg was also part of the conversation, saying that adults need to be educated just as much as children when it comes to understanding global warming. We can't wait for the children of today to grow up and become the ones in charge. We also need to educate the people who are in charge today and the people who, who are adults today. 
Northern India is facing winter storms, plunging temperatures and more than a foot of snow hit one area. Commuters and pedestrians are struggling to deal with the challenging conditions. The number of people taking refuge in shelters in India's capital, New Delhi, rose significantly. A hailstorm also caused significant damage to crops in Rajasthan. It's apparently the first time a hailstorm of this magnitude has been observed in the region. The death toll has risen following that volcanic eruption in New Zealand. Dive teams have returned to search the waters surrounding White Island to recover the bodies of two victims who remain unaccounted for. Military crews retrieved six bodies on Friday. It is now believed 17 people lost their lives during the explosion. Two dozen remain in hospital with severe burns. The man accused of inappropriately touching a female reporter has been charged with sexual battery. It was extremely vulnerable, Um, you know, and I think I I would say that the reason why, you know, maybe it caught so much fire is because um, the emotion is extremely relatable for women all over the world. 44-year-old Thomas Calloway turned himself into authorities on Friday. The video clip was shared over 10 million times, and it shows the reporter from Georgia during a live broadcast. A man in a long-sleeved shirt runs behind her and appears to hit her on the backside. Calloway has spoken to local media outlets apologizing and says this incident should never have happened. Some rare footage of wild pandas being released from a nature reserve is being shown for the very first time. Have a look at this. A mother panda and her cub are seen drinking water. The two were let out of a nature reserve in June. The nature reserve says this is the first time they were able to capture video of a panda in the wild. Wow. New stats on cancer survival rates. The National Cancer Center in Japan compiled data on patients diagnosed with cancer in 2010 and 2011 at medical institutions nationwide. The five-year survival rate for all cancers was 66.4%. Prostate cancer has a survival rate of 98%. Women's breast cancer rate, 92.2%. Pancreatic cancer, just 9.8%. And liver cancer, 40.4%. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Why a Montreal woman is encouraging people to take the ornaments off these Christmas trees. We're going to explain her selfless initiative right after the forecast. Yvonne is here with a look at what's going on out there. First question to you is, has the rain stopped? Yeah, it's starting to ease (laughs) off. It's been pretty gray and wet start to our weekend, but an improvement is on the way for the latter half on Sunday. And I'll have more on that and the timeline of when we'll start to see some nice breaks in just a moment. Yes, we have seen some heavier rain for the day today. It's still a chance of showers for this evening, so if you're planning on heading out, it still may be wet for a few areas. Wanted to show you this great shot that was taken in Massett. So thank you, Katerina of the sun, just making its way through the cloud cover there. And we are going to be seeing some nice breaks for the northern half of the province and areas near Haida Gwaii for tomorrow. A quick glance at some of the numbers and what we did see for today. We had temperatures on the cooler side, especially towards the interior. Let's see if my clicker wants, there we go, I was waiting for it. Okay, here we go. Uh, temperature sitting at five out of the airport with a westerly wind at seven kilometers for our highs today for the interior with minus three for Prince George. The piece today was on the chilly side into the minus double digits. It'll be once again for tomorrow with even the risk of frostbite overnight. That number in just a moment. Tofino today climbing up to eight degrees. Here's the break that we're anticipating, a nice break in between systems, some sunshine on the way, and then looking ahead towards late day Monday, the next weather maker is going 
going to push in, and we are looking at a significant amount of rain. Most of the moisture from that system is going to move along the north and central coast. It'll be by the evening, and then on Monday morning, it should remain dry across Metro Vancouver, and then towards the evening is when we'll start to see that rain moving in, and on Tuesday leading into Wednesday for many areas into the interior, tracking some snowfall. Risk of frostbite for the piece, a heads up, the wind chill for the morning hours, minus 28, and then bumping up to minus 22 for the afternoon. Over the next two days, it's a mix of sun and cloud, the potential for some snow developing on Tuesday night. White horse wind chill at minus 18, a chilly day tomorrow with a mix of sun and cloud, a few flurries on Monday, but not much in terms of accumulation. Along the north coast, as the system starts to push its way in the afternoon, the winds are going to ramp up southeasterly 30 and up to 50 kilometers per hour. The rain is going to push in by the evening and then very blustery on Monday and similar for Tuesday. Caribou and central interior, morning cloud cover are clearing for the afternoon. Highs closer to minus 7. Snowfall on Monday, but not much. A light snowfall for most areas. Columbia and Kootenay, it's morning fog patches, some afternoon sunshine. Temperatures tomorrow bumping up to the freezing mark. Dry over the next two days. And then on Tuesday, some snow developing in the evening and flurries on Wednesday. Tops in Okanagan will start to see a nice clearing closer towards the noon hour. Monday with a mix of sun and cloud. And then on Tuesday, we'll track that change with a few flurries moving in by the morning. Whistler morning fog patches, afternoon sunshine. By Monday night, a few flurries popping up and rain mixes snow on Tuesday, especially for higher elevations. We'll be looking at some snowfall and along the island, some breaks, especially towards the afternoon for the southern and eastern half. Northern and central areas of the island will still see a fair bit of cloud cover, but remaining dry tomorrow. The rain moves in across the south coast and we'll be tracking it for Monday evening. For tomorrow, though, still a chance of showers. That's for the Fraser Valley eastern areas. Most of the breaks will pop up towards the afternoon and then a chance of showers on Monday, but the bulk of the rain is really going to start to move in by the evening on settled Tuesday, Wednesday. So get out and enjoy tomorrow. Colleen? All right. Thanks so much, Yvonne. A woman in Montreal has been blown away by the incredible response to her initiative to gather Christmas gifts for isolated seniors. Alana Edwards set up these senior gift-giving trees in her community. The ornaments all bear a gift request from an elderly person living in a residence. People choose an ornament and buy presents for the seniors who otherwise may not receive anything at Christmas. Edwards had hoped to gather 200 gifts, but with the generosity that people are showing, more than 400 seniors will be getting gifts this year. She's already looking to expand the project next year. Overwhelming is the best word that I can use. Overwhelming and um, just an awe of what our community has come together to do. People calling me and text messaging me for next year already wanting to get involved, different communities, Utremo, uh, Dorval, they're all interested in doing this there. So we're, uh, it's looking good for next year already. Initially, Edwards was gathering gifts for one senior's residence. Now five homes are participating. Well, the surprise for one fourth grader in South Carolina comes just in time for Christmas. During a school assembly, nine-year-old Camden Lyons was called up to the stage thinking he was just helping out with a demonstration. But when he looked out into the crowd, he spotted something special. His dad. Sergeant Lyons had been deployed to Iraq for the last nine months. A homecoming oh. he will not soon forget. As a, a military kid myself, mm-hmm. I relate. Best, awesome. best uh, gift ever. No kidding. When your dad's there for you. That's really quick note on the, the, tr- the giving for seniors. London Drugs has a program that continues until Monday. So if you want to help a senior living in a home, you can go to London Drugs and find out more about that. So. Sounds great. 
Uh, Canucks are on the road this weekend. They're oh. going to be in San Jose uh, tonight and in Vegas tomorrow, so we'll uh, set that up for you. Some lineup changes coming there. And uh, President's Cup going on right now in Australia is going to come down to the wire. We'll have some early highlights of that, too. Looking forward to it. All right, thanks. So the Canucks are on the road, but will they be back in time for Christmas? I, well, I hope so. I they're hope done so. Sunday, so okay. unless they're walking from Vegas, I would guess. <laughs> you never know. They'll be back. They fly in comfort. Oh, yeah, they got games before uh, Christmas at home, too, so... But they are on the road this weekend. You're right there, Colleen. Thanks so much. The Canucks uh, on the road for this weekend playing twice. Two winnable games, I think. They get the struggling Sharks tonight. Losers of six straight. San Jose fired their coach this week, but were flat in a 6-3 loss the other night under their new bench boss, Bob Bugner. Then it's off to Vegas tomorrow, where the Golden Knights are barely hanging on to the final wild card spot. Brandon Sutter draws back into the lineup tonight after missing 13 games due to a groin injury. NHL today, Flames looking for an eight straight win under interim head coach Jeff Ward. Taking on the Hurricanes, who the Canucks, of course, beat in overtime the other night. Former, or it's uh, Brock McGinn getting the Canes on the board in the first to make it one nothing, And then former Flame, Dougie Hamilton, having himself a great season. That's his 12th of the year already. He's on pace for 30 as a defenseman. 2 nothing Canes after two. Then in the third while shorthanded, Warren Fogle will seal the deal as the Hurricanes snap the Flames' seven-game win streak. 4 nothing the final today in Calgary. Leafs continuing their western swing in Edmonton against the Oilers. Matthews versus McDavid. First period, Leafs get on the board. Vancouver's Alex Kerfoot. Quick release under the crossbar. Pass Toskinen, and it's uh, his sixth of the year. 1-0 Leafs. Second period, that line will strike again. Kerfoot will help uh, set up Ilya Mikheyev to make it 2-0 Toronto, and it's now 2-1 Leafs in the third. Capitals and Lightning. Washington leads the NHL with 51 points. Lightning starting to play better, but still out of a playoff spot. This won't help. Turnover in front of their own net. Nick Backstrom makes them pay. 1-0 Washington, but the Lightning do tie it in the second. Braden Point in the slot will chop it into the net to tie it at one, and then Washington regains the lead. Early third, Lars Eller on the one-timer. 2-1 Capital, so many weapons on that team. And former Calgary Flame Garnet Hathaway, look at this goal, flying through the air like Bobby Orr, 4-2 late third. Caps have the lead. Women's hockey, bitter rivals, Canada and the USA meeting tonight in Hartford, the first of a five-game rivalry series this year. Good start for the Canadians. Victoria Bach to the top corner on the power play, but the USA respond on a power play of their own. Megan Keller joining the rush, converts the feed. 1-1 after one, late second on a two-man power play. Americans have their first lead. Amanda Kessel, just like her brother Phil, right-handed shot. Quick release there, 2-1, early third more from the USA. Abby Rock with a backhander under the bar. USA wins it 4-1. The uh, series does come to Victoria and Vancouver in February. 4-1, that should be final. World Cup ski cross from Austria. Whistler's Mariel Thompson leading the way. Team Canada piling up the podium finishes. Thompson winning gold for her first victory of the year in the early in the World Cup season. Fellow BCer Courtney Hoffos winning bronze. A couple more podium finishes on the men's side. Chris Mailer winning silver and Brady Lehman bronze. Canada had a very good day on the snow and ice today all around the world. At Lake Placid, New York, World Cup four-man bobsleigh. Summerland's Justin Cripps got off to a great start in the four-man season. Won a bronze in the two-man event last week at Lake Placid. Today, 
He drove the big sled better than anyone. Canada edged out the Latvians by 39 one-hundredths of a second, which doesn't sound like a lot, but in bobsled is actually a comfortable margin. Golden start for Justin Cripps and the Canadians today in upstate New York. Welcome back. Despite being badly outplayed by the Rams last Sunday, the Seahawks still control their own destiny. If they win their final three games, they win the NFC West and a first round bye. It will likely come down to their final game of the year against the 49ers. But in order for that game to mean something, the Seahawks have to take care of business first. And that starts tomorrow on the road in Carolina. Here's Chanel in the red zone. Despite their loss in L.A., the Seahawks still have a great chance to win the NFC West, but they'll have to win their final three games to do so. Now, on Sunday morning, they face a Panthers team in an absolute tailspin. Carolina has lost six of the last seven, meaning the Hawks have an excellent chance to get back on track. In the last five weeks, the Panthers have fired their coach, lost five straight, and have given up an average of 31 points a game. Now, quarterback Kyle Allen has struggled eight interceptions and he's been sacked 24 times in that stretch. In fact, he's been taken down 44 times this season, second most in the NFL. Christian McCaffrey averages 150 total yards a game, number one overall. He also leads the league with 16 total touchdowns, 12 coming on the ground. Now in his only game versus the Hawks, he shredded them for 237 total yards and a couple of scores last season. Now Seattle has allowed 15 rushing touchdowns, tied for third most. So stop McCaffrey and the Seahawks likely win Sunday. The Seattle pass rush is a major concern. Just four quarterback hits last week and it did not register a sack in a game for the fifth time this season. Now the Hawks are sixth worst when it comes to total yards defense and has allowed an average of 400 yards in the last two weeks. Once again, the ground attack will be huge. Carolina is 28th against the run and has given up 24 rushing touchdowns, the most by any team in the NFL. But Seattle will be without Rashad Penny, who suffered a significant knee injury last week. For the first time this season, Russell Wilson did not throw for a touchdown, but he was sacked five times and hit 11 times. Now the bad news is Carolina is number two with 47 sacks this season. Now if the protection isn't there, Wilson could be in for a long Sunday morning. Seattle is a six-point favorite and has won three of the last four in Carolina, including last season. All right, it's Sunday in Australia. Final day of the President's Cup comes down to the 12 singles matches. Internationals leading Tiger Woods' U.S. team 10-8. Said the Internationals need just five and a half points out of the 12 today to win their second cup ever. Abbotsford's Adam Hadwin, sick yesterday, didn't play. Playing today against Bryson DeChambeau. Cooley sinks the birdie at one, although DeChambeau matched him there. Mexico's Abraham Anser. Out in the first match versus Tiger Woods, answer unbeaten this week as a rookie. Three wins and a tie in his four matches. Check out the tee shot on the par three. Nearly holes it, won the hole, but Tiger has just closed out that match three and two to give the Americans their first point of the day. Back to the Hadwin match on the fifth. DeChambeau will make the birdie putt. And he goes two up in that match through five. Patrick Reed. Fans have been all over him uh, all week. 
but he uh, does what he does best. He plays very well in these team competitions. Went six up through seven holes on CT Pan, but that lead has been cut to two up late in the round. Back to Hadwin, wins the ninth with this, and he is all even through 12 with DeChambeau. It's going to be a very tight finish. We'll have all the highlights tonight at 11. NBA tonight, Raptors and Nets from Toronto. Raps have lost four of five in the midst of a very tough schedule. First quarter, Pascal Siakam makes the three. The Raptors hit nine of their first ten from the beyond the arc, led 38-31 after one. More from Spicy P in the second, hits the jumper. He had 25 points in the first half. Raptors 65-60 at the break. And then Siakam on the break will find Norm Powell on the layup. And the Raptors have the lead right now at last check in the fourth quarter, 101-88. That's some soccer for you. English Premiership, first place Liverpool hosting last place Watford. And the Reds took care of business. Mo Salah got both goals, 2-0 the final. 16 wins and one draw through 17. They are running away with it. Meanwhile, second place Leicester City hosting Norwich City. Norwich strike first in the 26th through Temu Puki, but Leicester will equalize off the corner. Jamie Vardy gets ahead on it and uh, off a defender, an own goal. It ends 1-1. Leicester City gets a point, but they're 10 back of Liverpool. Snow report Whistler Blackcomb with a base of 49. 26 for Gauss, Cypress at 32, and Sasquatch opening December 21st. Revelstoke with a base of 123 and 6 new centimetres. Fernie a base of 109, 6 new centimetres for Kicking Horse and a base of 95. Big White with a base of 109, 114 for Silver Star, Sun Peaks at 80, 7 new centimetres for Apex with a base of 81. Whitewater with a base of 123 and Powder King 147. Okay, this is an idea that I think would be very welcomed here. See if you don't agree. <laughs> Nearly 50 dogs and their owners in Lima, Peru participated today in an annual pet show. Contestants are invited to dress their pets in Christmas costumes. Dogs of all breeds and sizes wore their best outfits, donning reindeer antlers and Santa Claus skirts for the occasion. Didn't know Santa wore a skirt, but you know. The show aims to encourage owners to care for their pets responsibly. Local vets were also accessible to offer advice. Aren't they just the cutest little critters? I like it because it's so warm out, and then they're dressed in all this Christmas attire. I just think it looks so good. Parkas. Yeah, parkas and a sweater, right? And it's so hot out. Poor dogs. Yeah. I guess if you give them a, a snack, they'll dress they'll anything. Put it, they'll they'll put it. up yeah. with anything. Yeah. What's in it for me? I don't know. Yeah. Not the dogs I know. <laughs> anyway, uh, quick word on, last word on weather. Uh, we are going to see cloud cover tomorrow morning, some breaks for the afternoon, and then the real rain is going to push in on Monday. Okay. All right. Thanks for joining us. Jordan will be here at 11 o'clock. Have a great night.